0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Last couple weeks in Major League Baseball, things are happening. Not so much on the free agent market or anything, but GMs, presidents of baseball ops have been signing women breaking barriers, and it's a happy day. Why? Because Kim Ang yesterday was announced and had her introductory press conference at Marlins Park. It's great for baseball. So today, I got two of the highest ups in baseball ops for your Phillies right here on Pine Tower for Breakfast. In the air- And welcome to another episode of Pine Ta for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. And last Friday, the Marlins made a huge hire in the game of baseball. And not only that, Monday they introduced her. That's right, a her. Kim Eng is one of the most respected people. I don't care if it's a woman or man. She's one of the most respected people in the game. And today we have two of the highest people in our game here with the Philadelphia Phillies. Corinne Landry? Dana Parks, what's going on? Thanks
2: for having us on, Kevin. Thanks for having us, Kev.
1: Well, look, it's 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 fun in this situation because two people like yourself, two different paths. Right? Like you just it, it, nothing's the same in this and it's like I, I think it's fascinating because Kim Aang is one of those people who has paved the way who's broken the barrier. I don't even care about – I've said it all along. I don't care about broken the barrier. I don't because she's the most qualified. And when you're the most qualified, does it matter? It doesn't. But she set the way. Um, for Corinne, your path is is completely different than Dana's. I mean, baseball was not in your like, – like in, in the rearview mirror or, or in front of you the entire time, right? You're into music, music theory. That's what you studied, but you always had numbers. You're always doing this, and now you're the manager of baseball operations for the Philadelphia Phillies. Like, Have you wrapped your head around that and been like, damn, it's not a, I, didn't, I didn't know this, but I, I'm here. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing when I step back and think about it. Um, you know, baseball wasn't uh, on my professional radar, but baseball has been kind of the center of my life for the entirety of my life. Like, I, I've, it's always been a driving passion for me. Um, and it's just a passion that I, I never thought about pursuing professionally. Uh, so yeah, I, I went to school for music. Um, I was a band teacher for a few years um, and just kind of backed my way into, into finding a, a professional avenue for my love of baseball. Um, and I, I think the thing that really um, you know, stands out about this Kim Eng signing, or hiring is that uh there's now evidence there for you know (laughs) girls that love baseball that there is a future and like you you can be the face of a franchise that that i didn't have that model growing up so it never really occurred to me and now i think that's shifting and i think that's really cool to see and i think it'll have an impact on uh on the next generation of of girls that love baseball
1: oh no doubt and uh, what's funny is (laughs) i had no idea it was you but reading scott lauber's uh piece the other day he talked about the the essay that you wrote it was you I had read that in 16 about the game that doesn't love you back like be in in, and female in in loving the game of baseball but the sexism part of it I'm like wait that was Corinne like I I had no idea I didn't put two and two together and I was like I read that because it is true but the Sandlot thing I can't believe you brought it up that that that's like the iconic (laughs) of all of them (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I know. I mean, I, I wrote that piece. Uh, I think it's kind of the only public commentary I, I gave during my writing career on on that topic, um, and mostly just to to tell my story. You know, when I look back, I, I think the thing that really stands out to me is, like I said, I always loved baseball, and Phillies. You look back on it, and it's kind of crazy that I never had an opportunity to play baseball. Who was your team? Right? It was I. Was that
1: who was your team?
0: I was a Phillies fan. Hey, there we go. That's
1: I grew- all. I, I, hey, it's Pintar for breakfast on com. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we got that going. All right, so favorite player growing up then?
0: Uh, favorite player growing up, Jim Eisenreich. Yeah. Yeah. I love it.
1: So you got to go with, like, the, the most obscure because everyone wants to go, like, Chase Schmidt. You're like, no, like, you got to go that route. I'm
0: loving. I mean, that.
1: Chase Utley is my, my favorite player of all time. I but mean, okay. I'm a little old. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Dana, like for for you, uh, player development coordinator, uh, on the field, in in that respect. So you have Corinne, who's in in the new age, you know, analytic part of the game. Well, you're on the field, and they they're going to mesh, right? Both those sides are going to mesh. So so having you guys there and and being involved is huge. Tell us a little bit about you know from going intern from the Rays and then Joe Jordan hiring you and giving you this opportunity for yourself in the Phillies that is a PR stunt cuz I know Joe, Joe, Joe Jordan that is a hell of a human being and he's not doing things for PR stunts.
2: Yeah, I think um I think that was huge um, to make sure. I think there was an article written a couple of years ago when that happened, and and I forget. I think it was the Athletic, I want to say it was Megan Montemura who wrote it. And and Joe, of course, I didn't know what what commentary Joe was going to provide publicly, but he made it a point to make it very clear. This is not a this is not a diversity hire. This is not, you know, this is not a PR stunt. This is <clears throat> like you alluded to. Um, I think the things that shouldn't matter. When it comes to how well you can do a job are what the things that we need to kind of let go of, right? So when you talked about King Kim Aang being overqualified has been, you know, uh, you know, more more than deserving, and all of the, the accolades and, and the commentary that has come her way in the past week, that's been more than deserved. I think that's kind of what we get what we get at here. What's the substance of how well someone's going to do the job? Are they qualified? Are they gonna grow? Are they gonna, you know, make those around them better and, and hopefully impact the organization in a positive way? And if that's the case, then we shouldn't we shouldn't really be talking about anything beyond that. Right. So I I also I I was really grateful to Joe um, for for making that pretty clear because again I, I mean let's let's face reality here. Sometimes that is the suspicion that will sneak into some people's heads is, is oh well that's just that you know they can kind of dismiss things and and it's helpful when you have someone kind of just be honest right up front like nope that's not the that's not the case here. So
1: yeah, it to me it's it's fascinating because. You take the name away, and you're like, "Oh yeah, okay, Kim Eng is the person." Like that is it. Like you, you you see the whole thing. It's qualified, all that. What's the pushback for you guys? What, if any, have you felt any? You know, and, and whoever wants to answer this one first, it, it doesn't matter. But is there been pushback from whether it's players or other front office people? Maybe not even within this organization. Doesn't need to be a name. Just, but has there been?
2: to go
0: first, Chris, and then I'll, I'll bring it home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I think uh, I, I certainly won't speak for for Dana, uh, but for for myself, um, you know, I just I feel extraordinarily lucky. Um, the Phillies are the only organization I've worked for, so I I, I don't know um, from experience what it's like in other places, but um, you know, I, I work, you know, 95% of my workday is is interacting with with men, um, and it's. It's my normal, and I think it's their normal to be interacting with me, uh, and uh, I really, I just feel very fortunate and lucky that it, it doesn't, it's not an issue in my day-to-day life.
1: Was that something, though, real quick, was that something that made you nervous when you made the jump? Like, was there a little bit, like, pulling back on you, going, like, this, uh oh, is this gonna happen, or I'm gonna fight through it, and, and not having that, and being able to just relax, and just do your job, and just be you, is that has that happened?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when I first started, so my past professional life was in education, where it was dominated by women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of knew coming into baseball that it was going to be a different uh, dynamic. Um, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect, um, but it's been it's been fantastic, uh, and I just I feel feel really lucky. I, I think I work with a lot of supportive colleagues.
2: Yeah, so I would just kind of echo what Corinne said. I think you know, at, at all of my stops, I was in DC for years, in Tampa for a few years, um, and then obviously in Philadelphia, I was really fortunate. Uh, and again, I, I don't know that this is representative across the board, but I've been fortunate to work with really good people, um, really good human beings, uh, again, predominantly male, um, but who have who have basically um, treated me just like anyone else. You know, there's always been mutual respect. And, and I hope to think that, um, you know, I've certainly tried to earn that, right? Just like any other colleague or teammate relationship where, you know, you kind of earn that respect or in that trust again, because you, you hopefully do a good job and, and help them as well. Um, but, you know, I, I really haven't gotten too much pushback. I think it's been kind of cool and interesting for me, as you alluded to earlier, Kevin, you know, I'm interacting with, with coaches and just like in a different kind of corner of the game, maybe than, than Corinne is predominantly on a daily basis and um it's just been really cool for me to to see that um and again like I think I think the the fact that when you have people who are really good humans it's you know they can kind of bring everybody else along with them you know where they they, when they see things uh you know when they don't see gender uh or anything else that shouldn't matter uh it really helps kind of rise rise the tide with everyone so
1: yeah and and being able to read the room right they read the room by just being like look this this person, this, this colleague of mine knows her S right. Like just know, like just gets it works hard. That that's the part where I guess for myself, I'll speak for myself growing up in the, in the San Francisco Bay area, like diversity and everything. That was just like, whatever. Like, I, I don't know. We grew up with it. Like, yeah. so any, anything that happened, whether it was, you know, a racial thing or, uh, it, uh, you know, with the sexism and all this, it was like that, I was in a bubble. I was lucky because everything that we had around us, it was like, okay, they're, they're, they're living their life. They're doing better for everyone else. Why does it matter to me? It doesn't, it just, it's life. So it's like more people that accept that and understand that like women in sports, women in male sports, who gives an S like, I don't care. Are they making the Phillies better? Yes. You know, and that, that's, that's the thing where I just wish we got over the top, but it won't. I know we won't for a long time. Like even with Kim Ang being signed, it's it's one and, and hired, it's still the first, right? And there's gonna be now there's a scoreboard behind her, and everyone's gonna be, oh, see, she didn't do it. And you're like, because her players sucked if they if they happen to be that way, right? I mean, she's going into a situation with the Marlins where they're good. So I, I don't know. I, I just hope, I hope that people at some point at the old, you know, the old heads that we talk about the analytics that crush the analytics and, and think that like, Oh, this isn't the game. Like they're the same ones. that are going to crush this hiring. Right. I feel like, and it's like, let's get over it. Who cares? She's the best.
2: Yeah. I think (laughs) I don't get me wrong, Kevin. There's still some, you know, there's still been some times in in meetings or an initial interaction with somebody who, you know, they've tried to not so subtly check to make sure I knew what the difference was between a two-seam and four-seam fastball. Yes, I know what the difference is there, you know, like, and, and, you know, you kind of learn how to, how to navigate those waters, you know, everybody has challenges, you know, whether it's because there's a suspicion based on your gender or whatever it is, right, like, everyone has their own set of challenges and you kind of learn how to, how to navigate those and, and again, inspire that trust and, and respect, Um, but I think you make an interesting point there, like, you know, I think Kim said it well, you know, the 10,000 pound weight, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was from her press conference off the right shoulder, right, right onto the left <laughs> shoulder, right? Like you got the monkey off her back, you know, she, she basically accomplished what was a long time coming. And, and then it's, you know, she knows that all eyes are on her, but I think she's a good, probably the best person to, to kind of forge forward because even when those things happen, it still becomes the more normal, right? Like yep. the things no matter what, we're advancing forward, uh, even if there's still going to be some things where we're, like, not quite where we need to be.
1: So, obviously, with Kim, it, it was hard to say that there was a person in front of her that, that like, was pushing her. Like, being like – because she's the first, like, that really got entrenched in the game, right, as far as where she was. Is there someone for you guys that has inspired you to, you know, to get where you are? And it doesn't need to be someone in baseball, like within family, it could be like just pushing you to be not only the best, but like just passion, be passionate about what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I think that's a tough question, right? We, we all have tons of people that have yeah. uh, kind of helped guide our path in many different ways. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's family members, it's, it's teachers. Um, I think I'm, I'm partial being a former teacher, but I think <laughs> teachers have a huge impact on our lives.
1: Right. my um, parents my parents could, have 80 years combined of teaching, so I'm like I'm, I'm on the same page.
0: Yeah, so like for passion, I mean that's one of the things that I go back to is my uh, my band teacher, you know like he was passionate about music. He got me passionate about music. That's part of like why I went into it and part of why when I left music, I wanted to work in a field that I was passionate about. Uh, so th- th- those kinds of inspirations I think are, are a cool part of, of all of our stories.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, you know, obviously my family has been instrumental. My parents, um, really my whole extended family. um, We have a family full of pretty, pretty kick butt women um, who just, you know, just pretty much are going to do what they're going to do and and not really, not really ask permission to do it. Um, So I've had a great example and great environment for that, where to, to be honest, in a lot of ways, you know, I didn't necessarily, I know I heard Corinne earlier say she was very aware coming in that, you know, it would be kind of a different environment for her. I was almost, you know, ignorant and blissfully unaware at times, you know, it was not weird for me. I I played baseball when I was a kid. So there was some level of, you know, playing with the boys wasn't necessarily all that strange to me, but um, I think that helped a lot. And quite frankly, um, Kim Eng herself, right, when I actually, Um, I've obviously been a little bit more you know on the baseball side of things you know don't necessarily have the the depth of experience or or variety of experience that Corinne has had with different paths Um, but I was not sure that I was going to be on the baseball side and I reached out to Kim um, and she was gracious enough to give some some time to me at a time when I was no one she needed to give any any amount of her time to which was awesome um, and has been you know, awesome throughout, you know, throughout the years here and there, keeping in touch. So she's been great, uh, directly for me. And I've, I've felt very fortunate again. She's been, she's very accomplished and in no way, shape or form had to, had to give me the, even the time that she did. So, um, That's awesome. she was directly instrumental for me. I guess. That is awesome.
1: Well, for like you and Corinne, it's just like, okay, so can you mend together, like as, as far as meshing ideas, do you guys do that, you know, as far as baseball to, to the analytic department and, do you guys have interaction throughout days and, you know, the weeks of, of of a baseball season off season?
2: Unfortunately for Corinne, yes, there is, (laughs) there is interaction with me. Um, I, I, unfortunately for her, that is the case. Um, Yeah, we, we collaborate a ton. So obviously I'm a little bit more, you know, knee deep in the player development side of things, but there's a, there's a ton of crossover, um, you know, kind of in my role and her role as far as, you know, um, different projects, um, and things, you know, obviously she's a little bit more knee-deep in the major league side of things. Um, but major league or, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we're just, we're trying to make sure that there's more, there's more names that people recognize in red pinstripes and, and Corinne's, you know, doing the heavy lifting over there. But, um, anyway, there's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of, you know, kind of collaboration always, I think throughout the organization. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been awesome to kind of, uh, work with her again. I, I feel bad for her in some ways, you know, she's had to, <laughs> she's had to tolerate me, but, um, but yeah, it's been pretty, pretty cool.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's all, I get very excited when we have days where I get to, to spend some time thinking about the PD side of things and, uh, work with Dana and have her answer all of my stupid questions, uh, <laughs> <laughs> help, help me understand what's going on over on that side of the game. So it's, it's great. Um, uh, a great part of, I think, just our baseball operations group across the board is the collaboration and the, the opportunity to to work with people from different backgrounds and, uh, you know, different perspectives on the game is, is a really cool part of, um, you know, how we do things at the Phillies.
1: Is there any bit of you, Corinne, that wants, like, because Dana, you scouted for a while, right?
2: Yeah, so I had some scouting assignments when I was with Tampa. That was the fortunate yeah. thing about, you know, being there. Yeah, I, I could kind of – I could be in the front office during the day and run out and catch a game and, you know, BP and, and do that at, at night. But, yeah,
1: But you understand there's a, there's the, how important it is for the scouts, right? It's, this is not me going, Oh yeah, we need this guy. but the importance of scouts, the well, importance not, of no, analytics, no. all this stuff. But yeah. Karina, is there a little bit of you that, that try, do you ever, you know, go into meetings wanting to understand more about scouting and all that to help your side of things on the analytics side? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I mean so scouting and that perspective is a really important part of uh, you know, the decision-making process. Um, I, I went to a scout school a couple of years ago. Uh, and like, you know, some of my favorite Did you wear the hat? Um, <laughs> that floppy thing. <laughs> <Yeah. Nah. laughs> I remember it was like, look, it, yeah, come on. This was years
1: ago. It was like oh oh four was it oh four was it? Yeah, oh four was my instructs, and I remember scout school was going on, and it was in Mesa. And, Everyone was wearing the flappy hat. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What is that? Like, come on! Like, it's just like a, nah. a, a like umpire school. You all wearing like the little hat with the little little bill on it. Like, come on! I don't need a. <laughs> it was brutal.
2: Corinne has better judgment yeah, have...
1: than that, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good thing, though. That's a good thing.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Well, what is, what is it
1: about the scouting side that intrigues you, Corinne?
0: I mean, I think, like all of us, we just there's so much about the game of baseball. There's so much to know. There's so much to learn um, that it's overwhelming at times. You know, and yeah. you're always humbled by the fact that I'm, I'm never going to get that, right? I'm never going to know everything I want to know about this game.
1: But um, the most experienced but, baseball person is never going to do that, right? <laughs> that exactly, the, right. That's it's the impossible.
0: crazy part. An impossible task. So I think scouting, sitting next to scouts and getting to talk about the game with them, hear their perspective and, and learn learn how to watch a player, how to uh, learn about a player, I think is uh, really important and a really exciting part of the job.
2: I think that's a beautiful part of the game. You, you, you know, no matter how much we, we study, no matter how much we dig in and learn and feel like we're growing, it's, it's endless. And that's, for me, that's one of the most attractive parts about baseball. Yeah. You know, it's part of what helped has helped me fall in love with it is you're never done.
1: Well, I, I think, you know, what you, you guys talk about, is the love falling in love with the game of baseball, and, and I think around baseball in general, uh, people are starting to like waver a little bit, right? And we're 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 trying to figure out why, like, what is, why is baseball unattractive to so many people? Why, like, what what do you think? What do you guys think? Because for me, I I have my beliefs. Um, I <laughs> I just think that. It, we're not seeing as many well-rounded baseball players. We're seeing very specific, you know, very individualized, uh, specialized players. That is, it, it almost the, the beauty of the game was a Jim Eisenreich, right? It, like, just the ability, his ability to play and, and do so many different things. Chase, whether he was a second baseman or not, that guy did everything good. Everything within the game good. Like, what what is it for you guys that you see where we are with this game. Why are people fall, not falling in love with it as much?
0: I, I don't know that there's a good answer to that. I think that there's a lot of factors there. I think for every generation of baseball fans, like you kind of look back at the baseball that you grew up with and that's your favorite form of baseball. So I think we, We'll always combat that a little bit. Like baseball, will never be as good as it was when you were a kid. God, we love no the steroid how era, you are didn't what we? Generation you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of a part of, I think, you know, how humans experience the game. Um, and I, I, mean, I think there's some pretty exciting, really well-rounded baseball players in the game right now. You know, you look at what Mookie Betts just did in the postseason, and that's that's exciting stuff to watch. Um, so I, I think that there there are examples of that, but that the game is shifting. And I think the game is always evolving, right, and always growing. And uh, it's a matter of figuring out like what what that end product does, I and mean, the decisions that kind of guide, um, you know, the on-field product are way above our heads, right? That's you know commissioner level. Are, are there going to be rule changes and um, those kinds of things? That I, I think that it's a never-ending process, to evolution the evolution of the game of
1: baseball. Well, so. before before Dana, before you answer this, but let me just ask with Corinne because your background with music, right. And teaching music theory and all that. And, and we could talk about all the genres of music, but there there's, I think baseball and music are very similar as far as, you know, some genre trying to get in there so bad and it's so hard. They're trying so hard that they kind of, they they, 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 muffle out the, the good noise. Right. And I think sometimes we're with the strikeout with the three true outcomes, we're seeing that's muffling out the good sound of the game right? There's, there's a lot of things that we're missing. Do you, do you see that as well or no?
0: I, I mean, I, 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 think that there's a, sh- there are shifts happening, right? There are mm-hmm. differences in approach and there are different things that are being tried. And I think that, um, you know, our job isn't necessarily to evaluate the aesthetic aspect of yep. that. It's about figuring out how to win. Right. So within the realities are these um evolving strategies ones that are winning strategies or are they ones that are uh making us like not optimizing and not not putting us in a position to win so that's kind of where our perspective goes so i think that really kind of uh is a different lens than like a fan falling in love yep. with the game so it's hard for me to be objective there about what the, the what about you, Dana? What what what's
1: your feel?
2: So I think Corinne made a really good point. Um, like talked about she talked about Mookie Betts, right? And so I think that um, whenever you have really good players who are really good in all aspects of the game, right? Like his base running, he put on a base running like <laughs> during the World Series. He really did, right? Yep. Like, I mean, the you, All you of- need
1: to do is put the contact plays at third base on I a literally loop.
2: I just going to take <laughs> it. that. I would literally, like, I literally wrote that jot that down the third bit when he scored on the contact play from third base, it was clinical. Right. And if you look at the way he, I mean, we, of course, you know, this was during instructional league, oh. right. So we, we always are talking about this stuff with our kids. Um, you know, our players are our, our young minor league players. And, you know, it's, it was almost like, thank you, Mookie. Uh, you didn't even know how you <laughs> you're, did. You you're, you're in like, the
1: meetings with us.
2: Perfect. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, but no, in all seriousness, like that kind of stuff matters. And then you see it time and time again in the playoffs every year. You know, I know we talk about three true outcomes. We talk about all these things. At the end of the day, really, really exciting baseball happens when you are doing all those, all those little things, all the things, you know, when you have really good, well-rounded players who take every aspect of the game seriously. That's obviously, again, I'm biased there, yeah. right? As a player development person, that is like, you know, chief among our, our, um, our tasks is to make sure these guys are prepared to contribute in every way. Um, but when you look at it, you know, we like athleticism, we like dynamic players. And when you really think about it, the players who do everything well and who really have honed their craft in every area they are really exciting, so I think it's kind of interesting. There's more overlap there than I think people realize, you know, yeah. like, uh, which is which is cool for me when you when you start kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of specific players.
1: Well, with the Mookie thing, it was amazing because for me, uh, he had two in the World Series, I believe, uh, the contact plays. But the first one with the Yandy Diaz play to his right uh-huh. and throwing on the run, you're like, he did er- like the only he thing the he could have world- done. He did everything perfect, and you're going. That is why it matters. Like when it comes to secondary leads, when it comes to jumps comes to, and what did he talk about? He did everything. He does everything during BP, right? Mm-hmm. He does that, that, that player development side is always going because you're, you're, you know, BP isn't just to get your swings in. It's your grounders, your, your game, like stuff, whatever it may be, but the base running part, the guy, the best ones, like why chase and Jimmy, <laughs> Shane could be the same way too they took it serious. Like mm-hmm. their whatever, five reps on the, on the field during BP was real. Like it was game-like and you're going, damn, like that, that's why they're good.
2: That's exactly. amazing. Exactly. And that's part of like, that's probably, again, one of the biggest things we can do is to make sure that, because, because again, if, if we do our jobs, well, you know, that you're going to have players graduate to the big leagues and be impact players, but it really makes a difference if you have, players who are going to do those things well, you know, who are going to be your, 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 um, you know, anchors for the organization or if if they're not. And so trying to really instill that mindset and how much of a difference it can make, because exactly what you said, Diaz did everything right. And because Mookie executed, it didn't matter. No, it's Right. And that's that's the name of the game. Right.
1: It's beautiful. Every, like you could see like all the old school guys going, Oh, see, that's how you play the game. It's like, yeah. He does every day, like Ronald Cunha Junior. does it every day. Like we, I think with the the analytics, um, one of one of the things that I feel uh, it draws a negative on is it, it. We we talk about analytics where the analytics are right, like it's just facts. Like sorry, like it's facts, but it drowns out the quality of player that we have, the young quality of player. Like that's what we should be talking about and just blowing up more than anything but no we always draw back oh analytics ruin the game why because they made a decision based on something that was factual like the one like i'm not going to sit here and say that i agreed with the you know blake snell being taken out like there's it it, you could look at every analytical part of the game and go yeah it, it mattered but mookie Betts was hitting 125 or one sorry, 185 against uh, a starting pitcher third time through the order this year. Like, are you going to go to the big numbers, like for his entire career, what he did, which was, I think it's close to 400. Or are you going to go with what's in your, you know, right in front of you. And that's where, you know, the feel of the game, the analytics, all that stuff needs to mend and and, and meld together like, like, like no other. And hopefully we have that. Yeah. I
0: mean, that's, that's the goal, right? It's, like analytics are a, a facet of information scouting opinions are a facet of information you know coaches on the ground that are another so it's a lot it's all about bringing all this together and making the the best and most informed decisions uh, and there's no <laughs> there's no one answer right it's it's a it's a mix of of information streams that are that are driving um any any good well-informed decision
1: what's your favorite project like what is your favorite thing that like maybe a manager um whether it's Gabe Kapler or Joe Girardi has given you Corinne that that you're going yeah I like and you like have to dig down deep and and find that answer and or, or is there not just one specific there's plenty
0: yeah I don't know if I have a good answer for that um you know I I spend a lot of my time uh on the uh like the major league roster side of things and, and uh, you know, payroll side of things. So uh, I guess my kind of my driving thing is thinking about um, uh, player analysis, right? So if, a, if there's a player on waivers today and looking at that player and having a sense of how how that player could fit into our roster and, uh, you know, it, driving any discussion on, you know, should we talk was definitely fired up um compared to like you know if i have to spend time on salary arbitration that's that's not quite as as exciting uh, uh a part of my day
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh the salary arbitration gotta love it I dana for you like what is what is it that like for this year um obviously we speak of it and uh everyone's on the same you know, on the same page on, on, on with the pandemic and player development, the lack thereof with many Um, with Instructs, what was the biggest thing you noticed and recognized with the players that came in the young guys that didn't have a season at all that just came from spring training to September and, you know, performing there without any games in between?
2: Yeah, I think overall, Kevin, we were really impressed, right? Because I mean, you you said it. We didn't have we didn't have a minor league season. We didn't have anything even closely resembling what we would normally want to do from a player development perspective, and that was, you know, in, in some ways scary, right? We you know we certainly our staff worked worked their tails off to make sure that um, you know we did the best we could uh, with that time and really tried to get the most out of it in, in every which way you can possibly think of. But at the end of the day, you know, you're not there with them. You don't. You're not seeing them. You know, you're not laying eyes on them. So it's really hard to tell. I think we were overall really impressed with with the way that the guys came in, both you know, as far as their physical shape and you know what they clearly had been doing at home. You know, getting creative, right? Um, you know, some of these guys lived in areas of the country where, you know, their resources were, were really limited. Gyms were shut down, you know, for a good chunk of time, and. And that was certainly something we were very aware of. Um, and, and again, throughout the course of the time, you know, we're trying to to be with them in the moment and make adjustments and help them kind of through that. But um, but I think we're really impressed with with our, our players and and how they came in and and where they're at given all of those challenges and all all the things that you talked about. Because at the end of the day, you know, there's there's we the world is facing challenges, yep. right? Certainly, baseball is no different. Player development is no different. But you know, in a way, there's. There's some opportunity here, right? Uh, Everybody's facing the same challenges. So how can we overcome that them and and do the best we can? And, you know, is there a potential to get a competitive advantage? Because we've tried to navigate the waters to the best of our ability. And, and really, you know, again, certainly not going to compare to a normal season where you're able to develop in all those games and and have, have those same opportunities, but, but it might be
1: how many contingency plans do you think you guys went through? Like, like
2: most people are going to go like, yeah, I got, you know, plan a and plan
1: B. Like Uh, it it went like, if you go on an Excel sheet, it went probably like to BZ. Right. um,
2: I think that's fair. Yes. I I was actually just going to say, we definitely ran out of these traditional standard 26 letter alphabet. But that was kind of, I mean, in a way, I mean, just personally, I mean, certainly hectic, but that was, that was part of, um, Kept us busy in a time when you know it's kind of crazy to be working from home for and not on a baseball field for so long.
1: Well, I was gonna say, like on the baseball ops side, you're looking at, you know, you're, you're going, how many pro- Like, how many different things can we do? Like, we can overanalyze <laughs> everything, right? Like, is that is that's a possibility, right? Uh,
0: we're never gonna run out of baseball
1: questions <laughs> <time> thinking about. No <laughs> one. almost it true. almost gave you too much time to be like, look, we got this. We're gonna
2: try this.
1: Let's look at this. <laughs>
2: No one's solving baseball anytime soon, at least not, not to my knowledge. And and if they think they are, then I'd, I'd recommend they question that. <laughs> it a little bit more.
1: Well, it, real, you know, real quick, before I let you guys go, I appreciate you guys coming on Pine Talk for breakfast, but Dana, for for you with the instructs, anybody stood out that, that you're, you know, Phillies fans are obviously going to be excited about. I think McAble is the one that everyone was wondering about and from everyone's what we heard. Pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, certainly the first round pick is gonna be of interest, I think, right? Yeah. Um <laughs> it needs to be. Probably, <laughs> probably, right? Um yeah, Mick looked great. A lot of the guys look look really good. And again, I think that the biggest thing for us was um, you know, we have Certain things within each of their developments that that are priorities, and we were really able to attack those things and make progress across the board. Well, we got is- our
1: own Whit wit Merrifield finally in our organization, I think, and that that's Casey Martin, and I'm excited <laughs> about, about him.
2: You've already comped him up, yeah?
1: Yeah, no, because uh, I'm I, I think winning ball players are what you need, right? That's you could have the most talent, but you want winning ball players. That's a winning ball player, and yeah, so- it, I, I watched him in college. It helped going. Damn, like I I was like, thinking, I I don't think that I hate comparisons. I'm comparing Uh things. But I was like,
2: damn, that's our wit right there. Nice. I like it. It jumped jumped for you right away,
1: huh? (laughs) Right away. Nobody else.
2: Love it. Yeah, no, we we certainly preached the winning ball player mindset. But yeah, it was was really good, like across the board. And again, you hope this for every instructional league, but particularly this one, I think we had across the board strides and in areas that we particularly want them. So uh, it was really good stuff.
1: Corinne? Anything for you as far as moving forward? And I know I'm not talking off-season goals and all that stuff, but as, as far as things changing within the organization, how do you keep your mind going in the, in, in the same direction as, you know, to win?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's the the focus every day is, you know, what what can we do to make the Phillies a better ball club? Um, and it kind of it drives us and it, it keeps us uh, energized and moving forward. So it's it's an exciting field to be in for sure.
1: Corinne Landry, Dana Parks, thank you for joining me on Pie Tower for Breakfast. It's been a pleasure. And just, again, keep on grinding. We love it. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot,
0: Kevin.
2: Thanks for having us, Kev.
1: Appreciate it. And that does it for Pie Tower for Breakfast. I am Kevin Franzen. Hi, Kevin Franzen, thanks to Corinne Landry, Dana Parks, for joining me right here and discussing women in sports, women in baseball, especially with the Philadelphia Phillies.
2: Peace. Right. Hey!